Bibles, you can turn with me. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 9 through 15. Now, last week we talked about prayer. Uh, I've got some, there's some cards that are on the ends of the aisles of the pews today. We're going to get to those in just a few minutes, so just hang with me on that. So last week we talked about prayer, and as we talked about prayer, we talked about really what not to pray, or not how to pray. And so we, we went through uh, how the hypocrites would pray, and then the Lord is going to give us now how we should pray. So this is commonly called the Lord's Prayer, but actually it is for us to learn how to pray to the Lord. The Lord's Prayer is actually, what the Lord prays for us is actually given to us in John chapter 17. And this is what He prays to God for us. But this is what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer because this is the example of how we should pray. Um, <clears throat> have you ever gotten to a point in your life or gotten to a place in your life where you just don't know what to pray? There's a lot of times and a lot of instances, I think, where we get kind of caught between a crossroads or caught at a point where we need for uh, the Lord to send us direction. Um, I think at, that, at those points in time, sometimes when we don't know how we should pray or what we should do, this is what we need to refer back to. Okay? Does it necessarily, what I'm going to share with you this morning, mean we need to pray this prayer? I'm, I'm not real sure. Um, you can pray this prayer, which would be great. Or you can pray the premise of what I'm going to share with you today about this prayer. Now, when Scripture is given to us and God gave us ten commandments, the first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. The last six commandments deal with our relationship with each other. So when we look at this prayer, this prayer is given in the same way. The first portion of this prayer that the Lord gives to us to pray to God deals with who? God. All right? It deals with our relationship with God. So it te it's telling us how to pray to God. The last portion of the scripture that we have, uh, or the passage of the Lord's Prayer, is dealing with how we pray for us. All right? So as we look at it today, it's going to be broken into two different areas. The first area is God-honoring. Uh, God all right? We, how then shall we pray uh, our Father who is in heaven? And then the first section it says, Hallowed be thy name. So if we're going to honor God, the first thing we need to do is realize the name of God. The name of God is holy. God's name is holy. We don't, we've lost this in culture. Words had meaning. In the culture that precedes us, before we got into writing and all of, all of what we have today through all of our technology and all of the ways in which we communicate with each other, the culture was an oral culture. Things were passed down to you. Do you have family sayings that were passed down to you? Things that your mother and your father or your grandparents told you? They were verbalized to you and they were passed down to you so that you could remember them. That's the way Scripture was passed down. Scripture was passed down orally. The things were taught orally. So that when we need to realize that when we speak God's name, God's name is holy. So hallowed or holy is the name of the Lord. In today's culture, we use the Lord's name flippantly, don't we? Um, I know that sometimes people would say that when they're speaking, they're speaking as of God with a little g, but we throw God around all the time. We throw Jesus around all the time. And we use them as verbalizations for exclamations or defamations. It really doesn't matter. We're throwing God's name around all the time, and we're speaking it just like it's a normal part of our everyday vernacular. But the reality is it shouldn't be that. 
God's name is holy. And when we speak to God, we should understand that. We should have a reverence for God, an awe, and understand that this word holy means to sanctify us. So when we pray first and foremost to God, hallowed be thy name, we're seeking God to sanctify us. We're coming to him and asking him to cleanse us. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. <clears throat> is our culture reverent towards God? It's not reverent towards God. We're irreverent. All right? How are we towards God, though? If we're to be an example and a light, our lives are to be lived in reverence and in awe towards God. We've lost this aspect of God. We've normalized God. We've taken God and we've made him human. We've made him just like us. God is not like us. And when Christ is calling for us to pray to him, he's calling us to pray to him in a way and an understanding to realize that God is above us. God is creator of all. God is the giver of life. God sustains us. God is everything to us. So there's that awe and there's that reverence that we need to have. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is heavenly. That's his dominion. Our job is to be loyal to that kingdom. Not this kingdom. So the first thing is, is that we've lost our reverence and awe for God. The second thing is, is that our loyalty is to this kingdom and not to the kingdom of God. And when we place our loyalties and trust in this kingdom, we are going to be disappointed. And I'm, I'm not going to bring it up, but just to mention it in passing and say this. We've had a lot of people that have been very um, popular people or people that we know culturally take their life this week. And that there's been a lot of evidence that has shown that suicide rates are up by about like 25% over the last five, six, eight years. When we lose our awe and our reverence of God, when we put our faith, hope, and trust in this culture, it leads to us being disappointed. Now, I don't know about you, and I'm not a psychiatrist, and I'm not a psychologist, and I'm just saying what I know. And so I, as I speak, I'm not speaking from... Um, someone who's been educated in that way. But I want to tell you this. I don't remember when I grew up that this many people were diagnosed with so many psychological disorders. Okay? I feel like that psychological disorders are growing because God is less important in our lives. And so when God is less important in our lives, the number of psychological disorders happen because we get immersed ourselves in this culture, in this world, and we place our hope and our trust in this culture, in this world, and then we get lost. And so when we get lost, we cannot find ourselves and things get complicated for us mentally. Remember how it says over and over in Scripture to set your mind on the things that are above. Don't set your mind on the things that are here and now. Don't place your faith, hope, and trust in the things that you can touch, feel, and taste. You need to place your trust and hope and faith in that which we cannot see. 
You see, this is what builds us back up. When we're praying to God, we realize that we're praying to something greater than us. If we bring God down and make him human like this and make, make his kingdom here and help us and, and that we see that all that we have is here, then, then reality sets in for us and we think that he's not able to bring us out of this. We lose faith, hope, and trust in God. Acts 1, 6 through 8 says this, and they were asking, Lord, is it this time that you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? And he said, it is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witness in both Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even the remotest parts of the earth. Guys, when we can visualize this and when we can mentally capture the picture of who God is and what we're praying to and, and, and how when we pray to him, he hears us, then it makes us different. When it makes us different, then when we, then we become a witness. And when we become a witness, we are able to be used in all the areas and all the aspects and places which God puts us. His kingdom is heavenly. His kingdom, his dominion, and our loyalty to that relies there, not here. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The last thing is the, his will, the will of God. That is the highway. And when I say the highway, what I mean is it's the road less traveled. It's the harder path. It's the path that has to be sought out and found. It doesn't just come to us. It's just not laid in our lap. It's the highway of God. And it's his authority that leads us down that path. We were talking about this in Sunday school. Over and over and over in Proverbs, it tells us a man plans his steps, but God, I mean, a man plans his path, but God directs his steps. A man plans his path. We have our life laid out. What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> George, what do you want to be when you grow up? I hadn't figured that out yet. What do you want to be when you grow up? What are you going to be? How's your life going to turn out? What are the things that you're going to accomplish? You see, we have all this plan of what we want to aspire to or become. Now look, I'm not telling you that you shouldn't aspire to things. But the problem is, is we aspire to the things that we want. And when we aspire to the things that we want and we desire, then we're going to put ourselves in the places which we've picked. And that may not be where God wants us. We're going to make our decisions based on what's easiest for us. We're going to take, in a lot of cases, the road that's more traveled. Because I can guarantee you it's the easier path. We were talking today in Sunday School, and I'll just bring this up. On Paul's second missionary journey, <clears throat> Paul and Barnabas broke up. They'd probably been buds for a long time. And because of John Mark and the, the, the issue of taking John Mark back uh, on, a, on the second missionary journey, they, they separated and went different ways. Well, Paul and Silas, so he had a new team because he wasn't traveling with Barnabas, went to what? A bunch of new places. 
Because when they went back to the old places, it said that the Holy Spirit was not opening up and allowing them to speak. And then all of a sudden, Paul has this dream and he goes over and he ends up at this place called Philippi, which we get the book of Philippians from, the letter that's written to later. Then he ends up in this place called Thessalonica, which gives us the letters of what? 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. Then he ends up in Athens and he gives this great speech in the Aragopas about the unknown God. And then he ends up in this place called Corinth and we get the letters of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians that are written. Do you realize when he broke out and didn't go back into the same places that he went to because God moved him somewhere else, we get, what, five, six letters that are written in the New Testament to us? All of this opened up. All of this great expanse was given to him. He not only found Silas on that trip, or took Silas, but he found Timothy. Timothy later became the pastor at the church at Philippi. All of this stuff would have never happened if he would have remained doing his own plan because he planned to go back to the same churches that he had gone to on the first missionary journey. You see, you and I have a plan for our life, but God directs our steps. And if we will just get out of the way and allow God to move in our hearts and in our lives, he will take us to places unknown to us and unfamiliar. Yeah, you're going to be out of your comfort zone. And if you're a planner, man, it's going to be a tough gig. It really is. If you have to have every detail and every I dotted and T crossed before you take a step, God's going to have to break you down. But if you're someone that will go with the flow and can deal with it and move with it and as life changes ever around you, then you're going to be someone who's allowed to be moved by God. And move freely. And when God does that, he's going to take us to places, one, that are going to be unknown to us, but two, he's going to open up areas and parts of our lives which we cannot see and cannot understand because it's the highway. It's his way. That's why he tells us in Isaiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. This is what he means by this. We can't just allow ourselves to get bogged down in who we think we're supposed to be. If we will open up our heart and open up our ears and eyes, God will move around us. And as he moves around us, he will close off areas where he does not want us to go, and he will open areas that he does want us to go. Are you getting this? Because we're going to get this in this prayer in just a minute. So the first three areas or the first three things that are stated in this Lord's Prayer, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every single bit of that is directed towards God, is to bring honor to him. So the first thing that we should do when we seek God in our prayer, whether we pray this prayer or any prayer, is to honor God. Honor God. The second thing that we should do is to bring in our interests or our thoughts. Generally, though, this is the first thing that we do. God, I'm really upset with you right now because I'm not getting what I want. Lord, I'm really perturbed right now because things are not going the way that they're supposed to do. This is not how this is supposed to happen. God, I'm really upset because this happened in my life. Me, 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 me. I was in line at the hardware store yesterday and a father with a small child was in front of me. 
And of course, as all stores do, the aisle, the checkout is filled on both sides with what? Candy. So the kid was going, hmm, can I have this? And he was going, no, 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 that's not. So then she put that down. She turned over here and she went, can I have this? And held that up. And he's like, no, 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 no. So the third time, because each time she's going, oh, oh, you know, can I have this, you know? And finally, the dad picks it up, puts it down, grabs her by the hand and says, look, we didn't come here for candy. We came here for this. I love you, but I'm not buying you any candy. Have you been in line like that before? Grocery stores are the worst, are they not? Can't make it out of the grocery store without having certs or trident or candy in your pocket when you leave from your kids. It's a buck a piece. They're making all kinds of money for that. Hand over fist. Why? It's because it's a point of sale. It's, a, it's where they can get, they know that we want that when we walk out the door. And they placed it right there for us. You see, that's what the world does. And when we're praying to God, we're seeing all this eye candy. And we start thinking, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm missing out. There's rows and rows of all kinds of good stuff right here. It doesn't cost a whole lot. I can get it and move on down the line and there'll be no sacrifice involved. And so we grab handfuls of it at a time and we walk out the door. But when we do these things, we are serving our interests. God is like that parent. No, no, we did not come here to the hardware store for candy. We came here to get the tools that we need to go out and to do the work that we need. Wow, is it like that for us in church life? I'm going to go to the church that can do the most for me. What church serves my interests best? What church gives me what I want? How many people today seek out to find a church home where they can serve, where they're most needed, where they can most dig in, where they can most pour out their talents and their gift set? You see, we've got it flip-flopped. We're coming to God first and foremost with our interests, and we want them all fulfilled. And when we get our interests fulfilled, then we'll give to God. But the Lord's Prayer and what God is teaching us is, is that we've got to invert this. We've got to honor God first, and then God will take care of our interests. Give us this day our daily bread. This is about dependence. This is grace. This is a daily reliance upon God. <clears throat> okay. How best can I say this in church life? If we all won the lottery, right? Y'all supposed to laugh at that. We're not playing the lottery, right? We're church people. Isn't that right? No, you're all going, well, Tim, what if we did win the lottery? If we all run the lottery and had all this money and enough to take care of us for the rest of our lives, to do whatever we wanted, whenever we wanted, however we wanted, would we still serve God with the fervency that we need if we look to him for our daily bread? Hmm. Who gets to make the choice of how that's all spent? 
where that all goes, how much we give, what we do and what we don't do. Do you ever realize why we don't have what we don't have? It's because we need to rely upon God every day of our lives. God keeps us in a place where we have utter reliance upon His grace to take care of us on a daily best, uh, basis. It's best for our interest if God is taking care of us all the time. Not just when we need Him or when we want Him to. So in our prayer life, we're praying to Him to give us provisions for this day. Because this day is all we can really handle. And my God will put, supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I think I've told you this before. There was a deacon at one of our former churches <clears throat> that we served at. That was his, well, back when you could call somebody's house, you know, and they had a house phone, you know. And then they had this thing where you could leave a message on an answering machine. Y'all remember those back in the day? Does anybody here remember those? Y'all are not playing along today. We're going to be here a while if y'all don't get it together. All right? Uh, you know all about it. Good deal. Thanks a lot. Ron wants to go home, so we'll get, it, we'll get it working. His answering machine was that. So when you would leave a message for him, before you could leave the message, that's what you heard. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And I thought that was the coolest thing. Before I can leave him a message and tell him what I needed him to do or what I wanted him to do, he told me what the Lord was going to do. Awesome. He gave me a witness. He gave me a message before I could ever leave him one. That's what our lives should be. If our lives are to be a witness and an example, then guess what? We're going to have to suffer some. And we're going to have to go through some things and get to the other side so that we can be in a positive example for those who will be following us and going through the same things. That stinks. But that's the reality of faith in Christ. Because it requires us to have faith. So we can't all win the lottery. And we can't all have all that money sitting over there. And we can't all do what we desire because why? That would be what we desire. God wants us to do what he desires. So if we're praying to him and we're bringing him honor, then the first thing that we need to realize is that we depend on him. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. debts. We're all indebted. Some of us monetarily, all of us spiritually. And we have to pay that debt. The problem is, is that monetarily we may can figure out a way to pay off our debts, but spiritually we'll never be able to cover it. Ever. Nothing that I can do to cover my spiritual debt. And let me tell you this. The problem for me on this one is, is that while I'm trying to cover the spiritual debts that I've already committed, I'm committing more. They're new and afresh every day. 
So every day as I pray this prayer, forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. We need to understand that we have to come to God and ask him to forgive us. So instead of our prayer being about what we want, we need to be asking about forgiveness for what we've already gotten, which is the mess which could be our lives. I'm sure nobody here has ever made a mistake. Has anybody ever, ever made a mistake? <clears throat> has anybody here ever like missed the mark, not done something you were supposed to the best of your ability with everything that's within you? Has anyone here ever fallen short all right, maybe not achieved exactly what you thought you could have achieved on that. <clears throat> I'm going to tell a Clay story here. He'll probably hide in the back. But it was a great lesson for my son. But his freshman year in high school, at the end of his freshman year, he had figured out how much in this particular class that he needed to do to get a B. And he did just that. In fact, his older sister came to him and said, if you could do these other extra credits, why don't you do these other extra credits that he's going to get you, and then I'll get you way over the mark. And Clay's answer to her was, nah, this will get me what I need. But he had to make a certain grade on all those to get that. And when we got his report card, Clay didn't have a B, Clay had a C. All right? And because he had turned in just the minimum amount that he could have done, and he didn't get the grade, he had fallen just a little bit short in the grade, he ended up with a C. I want you to know something. That didn't happen to him ever again. I mean, right now, he's through his first year of college. He's not made a single B. He's made all A's. It turned his life around because he had done just the bare minimum to get the grade which he desired himself, and he fell just a little bit short. But I want to tell you something. He heard about it when he got the C on his report card, but he never did it again. That's why we have to ask God to forgive us when we fall short, but not turn around and live that lie and that same debt over and over and over and over. Lord, please bless me with a job to be able to have the money to pay off these debts so that I can go use my credit card and do it all over again. That is not learning the life lesson. That is not the transformation that you and I need. Here's the second part of this. Forgive our debts as we forgive those who trespassed or de indebted themselves to us. Why is this so huge? This is so huge because immediately following the Lord's Prayer, this is what it says in verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then the Father will not forgive your transgressions. Yikes. We want God to forgive us of all of our sins, but we really don't care what he does with everybody else. And we really don't care how we treat every, everybody else around us. He is telling us that our interaction with everyone else is determinant upon our interaction with him. The first thing was grace. The second thing is mercy. We're asking to be pardoned. Mercy is not receiving that which we deserve. 
Grace is receiving that which we do not deserve. So mercy is not getting what we do deserve. When we're in debt, when we're sinful, we deserve total separation from God. In fact, that's what it does eternally. It's totally separate us from God. What was that like? Well, the only glimpse that we truly have is Jesus on the cross, where the sky turned all black and everything was thundering and lightning and the earth was splitting open and all kinds of crazy things were happening. And, And Jesus, the Son of God, cries out, My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Total despair. Total despair. I don't want that. So if you have wronged me, go and be blessed. I forgive you. I'm not going to hold a grudge. I'm not going to be judgmental. I'm not going to allow my life to be destroyed by you. I'll do a good enough job myself. And we've got to have that attitude and that mentality. So when we're praying to God, this example prayer that we are given for us, we're asking for grace and we're asking for mercy. We're asking to be pardoned. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And the last thing, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Ooh, this one right here. This was always confusing. James says that God doesn't tempt us. But we're missing the point of what we're asking right here. We're asking God not to lead us into temptation. We're asking God to help us avoid all temptation. I'm going to a grocery store where there's no chocolate in the aisle when I'm checking out. I just need to avoid the temptation. Lord, show me where that is and I will buy my groceries there. That's what we're asking. We're asking God to not lead us into into temptation. We're asking him to help us avoid that. Because I want to tell you something. With every trial in your life comes temptation. Every trial. The trials in our faith test our faith, make us pure. That's what 1 Peter tells us. Our faith has to be purified. It has to get... Um, it says, Paul says this way. Paul says that each day we're becoming more and more like Christ. In other words, there's less and less in us of us and more and more of Christ in us and working through us. That's what it means to become Christ-like. That's what should be transpiring. That's what should be happening. So we're becoming holier, not holier than now, but holier because we're walking closer to God as we're growing in our faith. So as we pray to God not to lead us into temptation, we're asking God to remove those things from us while we're going through these trials to keep us from getting off the path. Because the second part of this helps us to make sense with this. If God doesn't lead us into temptation and we don't get off the path, then then this, it says this, deliver us from evil. Because if we don't fall into the temptation, then Satan's going to gear up and come after us. 
Have any of you ever noticed that the closer you try to get to God, the harder your life gets? Hello. Peter tells us that we have an enemy seeking to devour us. He's coming after us. He's not taking any of this lying down. So we need to pray that God takes him out. God takes him out. He delivers us from the evil. And in doing so, spares us. Are you getting this whole picture? We're talking about mercy. We're talking about grace. And we're, we're being pardoned. And now we get faithfulness that comes in because God protects us. Life is less about what I do have and, less, and more about what didn't happen to me. The older I get, It's not about how much money's in my bank account, but the fact that I'm 50 and healthy. And I'm 50 and have somewhat of my hair. Because I have a lot of friends that have less than me. It's about what, how God has blessed me in my particular ways and in my life and less about what he has not done for me. Are you getting it? So if we want to be like the world, we're going to walk down this road and we're going to see all this stuff. Everybody's seen Up, right? You know, Up with a little dog, Squirrel. That's, that's us. I'm following God. I'm following God. Squirrel! And we're gone. It's that way because we are so easily distracted and led off the path. Because as we're going through the trial, the temptation is seen and we take it. Because it's the easy way. It's the quick way. It meets all of our needs. It's what we desire. But when Jesus is telling us that we have to take the road less traveled, and when he's telling us that we have to go the higher way, it's most definitely the harder way. So as we pray, we are preparing ourselves are you getting this? We're honoring God with this prayer. And then Jesus is saying, really what you're doing is you're preparing yourself for what you're about to get into. This day. This day. When you woke up this morning, are you ready for this day? Were you ready for this? Were you ready for Tim to come at you? Just both, both barrels just going on both sides. I'm just hitting both the left side of the church and the right side of the church, both at the same time today. Just to go, were you ready for this? You see, we have to wake up and we have to hit the floor with our feet being ready for this. Because when we're not prepared, we get trucked. We get run over. And at the end of the day, how many of us are going, man, I had a lousy day today. Boy, I gave in to my temptations. Every time it seems to get tough in my life, I run to the bar. Every time it gets tough in my life, I take a pill. Every time it gets tough in my life, I seem to do this or I seem to do that. It's addiction. What it really is is lunacy. There's no way we can change the end outcome without changing the routine. 
So if we're going to change the routine for us, we need to get up every day. When our feet hit the floor, we need to be prepared for what God has for us. James 4, 7 says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. 1 Corinthians 10.13, I love this one. No temptation has overtaken you, but as such is common to man. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. There it is. That sums it up right there. First of all, if you pray to God, your enemy will flee. Secondly, Christ Jesus himself was tempted in every way that you've ever been tempted and passed it. So you have an example. You have someone, if your life is becoming more and more Christ-like every day as we walk, then as we're journeying to be more pure, to be more like Christ, then we're, what we're gaining is the ability to overcome all the junk. Why? Because Christ overcame that. And the third thing is this. It will not overcome you. God has a plan and there is a way out. And you may not see it, but there is a way out. Our world is in despair. Our world cannot find answers because there's a God-sized hole in every single one of us and we're filling it with all kinds of crap. If we will let God fill it up, if we will let God fill it up and then give our life over to God, we will live the best life possible for us. And I'm not trying to be Joel Osteen. I'm trying to tell you that God will take you and do with you in places and in things that you have never thought of. And I'm not telling you that it's going to be the easiest thing ever. And I'm not telling you that you're not going to suffer. And I'm not even going to tell you that you might look back on your life and go, man, I never thought I would have ended up like this. But I want to... God just gave me a glimpse of what my last 25, 30 years would have been like without him and where I'd be. Ooh, just a moment. You know, I think I got it bad. But I'd hate to see what I became without him. If I was left to myself, I'd be in jail or dead. He's that good. It's that important. Our communication with him is that vital. When Jesus tells us not to be like all the other religious people, this is what he's telling us to do. So to, we're going to end with the project. No, no invitation song today. Is that all right? Sweet. We're going to do this. The end of each one of the rows, if you want to say, if you're at the end of the row, be awesome if you would just pass these down. Everybody gets a card, all right? Everybody gets a card. I want you to think. 
sincerely of one thing, one thing, one thing that you want to see God do in your life. I want you to write it down as a prayer request. And I want you to fold it up and I want you to come up here and place it in this box. We're going to close this box up. And we're going to pray over these before we leave. And then we're going to pray for them again on Wednesday night, not knowing what's inside of them. And then over the next few weeks, as we give opportunities to share in the project in whatever way, shape, form, or fashion that comes out on Wednesday or Sunday, night, Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, if God answers this prayer, I want you to let us know.